we're looking at the uh, work of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's doing, what He does, who He is, and uh, how Jesus said before He was ever resurrected, while He was teaching and preaching and moving through the around uh, Israel, He was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so in the book of Acts, last week we looked at uh, chapter 1, how Luke was saying, I'm just filling in some gaps and uh, talking to you about who the Holy Spirit is, that Jesus promised he would come, and now you got to wait for him. And a little bit longer, he said, because uh, it's not time yet, but he is coming, and so be prepared when that time comes. And he just told them that they would be witnesses of things the Holy Spirit would tell them, and the Holy Spirit would be with them from then on, as he is with us today. And so to just kind of back up and catch a little bit about Jesus saying, the Holy Spirit coming, in John chapter 14, the night he was arrested, Jesus said, but the counselor, uh, the comforter, the advocate, the one who comes alongside, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. And so Jesus was just preparing them that night he was arrested and said, the Holy Spirit's coming. And when he does, he's going to teach you all things. He'll be your teacher, your guide. And he's going to remind you of things he said, I've told you already. And so that's the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Sometimes we have just a scripture comes to us or something God has told us before. And it just comes to our mind all of a sudden. And where did that come from? Well, Jesus is reminding us something we've already learned that he's already taught us. And then last week, Luke was saying, on one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them before he was resurrected, taken back up into heaven, ascended into heaven, rather, ascended after the resurrection. Uh, he's eating with his uh, disciples, and he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. You've heard me speak about it many times. Wait in Jerusalem till the father sends the gift, the Holy Spirit, the one I promised you. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be united with the, uh, the Holy Spirit. You'll come under his authority and everything will be different. And so it is with you and I today. When we get saved, and let's make sure we understand that when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And from that point till the day we die, the Holy Spirit's living in us. And he's our guide, he's our teacher, he's our reminder, he's our helper, he's our advocate, he's the one who comes alongside of us in our time of need. And so we always have him with us. But they didn't have him with them like this we do today until Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, uh, leading up to that, the disciples are meeting. They did what Jesus said uh, when he ascended into heaven. They went on back to Jerusalem, and they began to stay there, and they were meeting together, and they were praying together every day. And in the rest of Acts chapter 1 talks about uh, in the beginning when Jesus chose his disciples, how many did he choose? Twelve. After he was resurrected, after the resurrection, how many did he have? Eleven. So they were missing one. Well, Peter and all the others were meeting in this uh, building, this house, during the days after the resurrection, I mean after the ascension, after Jesus ascended into heaven. They were meeting together, and Peter began to talk about Scripture from Joel and say, we have to replace the one that's missing, the one that died, the one that killed himself, the one that betrayed Jesus. We have to replace him. And so they had two men there, and they, one was named, he had three names he went by, had several nicknames apparently. His name was Joseph, who, who was called Barsabbas, also called Justice. So 
he was known by three different names wherever he went, I guess, um, and also a man by the name of Matthias. And he said, we need to pray and ask the Lord which one of these two, because these two men have been around us, with us, with Jesus during the ministry, and one of those has to come within us and be 12 again. And so who's it going to be? So they said, let's pray. And they prayed, and then they cast lots, meaning what they would do, and this is what they did many, many times you read in the Old Testament where they would cast lots for an answer from God. Uh, that's what happened to Jonah on the ship. Cast lots. Who's the one that's causing the problem on the ship? Oh, it's Jonah. Okay, we're going to throw him overboard. And so many times in the Old Testament you read about them casting lots. What they would do, in this case here in particular, they put the two men's name on a rock. They would put uh, Joseph and they would put Matthias, names on a rock, put them in a container, and the first one who spilled out, the first one who's come out, uh, when they shook him up and, and caught, tossed it out, would be the one that God chose. And so many times in the Old Testament, you find them doing that. They would put the rocks in this container. Uh, if it's some a person they were trying to choose or, or for something or make a decision, maybe yes or no, uh, put it in there, shake it up, whatever came out first, that was the answer. And they knew that God was in this, and they said God is in this, and so that's how they did it. But this was the last time in the Bible that you find them casting lots for an answer from God. Because from this point forward, it's always going to be the Holy Spirit. We're always going to hear from the Holy Spirit. We're always going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to show us what we need to do. But until then, they were using the casting of the lots. Well, they cast lots, and Matthias' name came out first. He was the one who would take the seat of Judas Iscariot. So now we have 12 once again. So when the day of Pentecost came, 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven, they were all together in one place. All 12 of them now are together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And so there they are gathered. They were praying together every day. Here comes this wind, fills the house uh, where they were sitting. And there's a violent wind that's blowing. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So they hear this wind, they hear the violent wind coming through the house, and then they see what seems like tongues of fire coming into the house. And what they mean by tongues of fire, just like if you have a fireplace or you've ever seen a bonfire, as the flames go up, they're kind of moving, and it's like it's almost like tongues. You can just associate with the description of trying to describe what did the flames look like when you built the bonfire. Well, it's going up, the flames are going up, it looked like tongues, and so that's how they described it. What seemed to be tongues of fire just seemed to be. Not that it was, but it seemed like that's the only way they could describe it. And they separated and came to rest on each one of them, all 12 men in the room. Here comes the fire and rests on them, gets on them. Well, all of them, all 12 men, were now filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here we see the speaking in tongues, if we're going to move further into it, what the Holy Spirit did to their lives cause them to speak in other languages, other tongues. The word tongues means dialect or language. And so we're going to see the different languages that came out of this. And so they began to speak in different tongues, in different languages, different dialects, because the Holy Spirit filled them. And now they were, <clears throat> now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews for every na- from every nation under the heaven. When they heard this sound, the wind, a crowd came together in bewilderment, wondering what's going on, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. So they heard the wind, they saw the fire, they, they heard them all speaking in their own language. Here's Peter, here's 
Philip, here's Bartholomew, here's all of them speaking in a different language. And wait, I understand what he's saying. Another one, I understand what he's saying. Why? Hold on. Utterly amazed. What's going on here? This is amazing. They ask the question, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And the reason they brought the question into the situation here was Galileans were known to be mm, uneducated. We'll put it that way. They knew Galileans just didn't have this education to be speaking in all these different languages. They don't learn like different languages. Galileans don't. They don't have this education beyond uh, the basic uh, things they learn in school to be speaking different languages. We, we know something's amazing here. Something's going on. We can't figure it out what, but these are Galileans. They just don't do this sort of thing. So they ask the question to themselves, then how is it that each of us hears them, the Galileans, speaking in our native language? It's not making sense. It's amazing. It's bewildering. We don't know what to make of this. We can't understand this. What's going on? And then we get into the division of the different people who were there. See, this is during the Passover time and the Pentecost time, and so people come from all over the area, all over the world, if you will, all over the known world of the day, to come to the Pentecost, the festival, the celebrations that God had there in Jerusalem for them. And so they were, they're all there, all these different groups of people. They're all Jewish people, and they've come to Jerusalem during this time of the day of Pentecost. And so it gives a list of some of the names of the people that were there. Parthians, Medes. Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. So they're coming from all over the known area of that day and time. Well, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. So you get a lot of different languages here, a lot of different dialects, you get a lot of different nationalities, and they're all in Jerusalem, and each one of these groups is hearing them speak in our native language. There's the Parthian saying, wait, there, there's Peter speaking my language, and he's just a Galilean. How did he learn that language? And, and there's uh, somebody from Cappadocia saying, well, well there's uh, Andrew speaking my language. How, how did he learn that language? And so each one's hearing them in their own dialect, their own language, speaking their language, and they're bewildered. This these Galileans, how, how'd they get this? How'd they understand this? There's Arabs and Cretans asking the same thing. And they said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, our own languages. We don't get this. We don't understand this. Well, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? So they're Jews, and they're asking all these different things to each other. What does this mean? What, what to make of this? We don't understand this. Why? Why is this happening? You know, you can only imagine if you were there how it was. But, verse 13, <laughs> some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. These guys have been drinking. They started early in the morning. And uh, they, they just, you know, they, we don't know how to understand this any other way. They're just drunk. And so sometimes when we don't know the answer to the question, we try to come up with an explanation, and we get the wrong answer sometimes, just like they did. They tried to explain it the best way they knew how, and they thought, well, he's, they've got to be drinking, and they started early this morning, and 
uh, on the notes, we skip a few verses here just to move on through it. And so Peter stood up and at that point and raised his voice and addressed the crowd and said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. you some of you thinking we're, we're drinking here, but let me explain it to you. Just listen carefully to what I say. And he said, these men are not drunk, as you think they are, as you suppose they are. They're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And he said, what makes you think they're drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning? Did they start drinking that early in Israel or something? I mean, I mean, you know, he said, I need to explain it to you. They're not drunk. They're not been drinking. It's too early in the morning. And he said, no, this is what, this, what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so they'd have already followed Scripture with the selection of Matthias. And now he said, let me try to explain to you by quoting Joel to Jews that would understand Joel's prophecy. And he said, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, in those days, and they were prophesying. He said, I'm trying to explain what we're doing based on what Scripture says from Joel. He said, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And all of this is what Joel had prophesied and said that would happen, and sure enough, now it's happening. So he says, men of Israel... Listen to this. He said, let me explain something. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God, established by God, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. You Jews know what Jesus did. You saw the evidence. You heard the stories. You saw what he did. You understand who Jesus really was. But this man was handed over to you, but God set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. You Jews put him to death, even though you knew who he was, performing the miracles. And you had to have the help of wicked men. You had to have, have the help of Romans in particular to put him to death, but you did it. Put him on the cross. But hold on, he said. God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a toll on him. Yeah, you put him to death, all right, put him in a tomb, but death couldn't hold him. He got up out of the grave, as you know. So David said about him, King David, he's going to quote King David out of the Psalms, he said, David said, I saw the Lord always before me, always in front of me. I saw the Lord. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken because Jesus, because the Lord is right there with me, my life won't be shaken. And so it is with you and I. If we understand that God is with us, God is among us, God is in us, where our lives are not shaken either, are they? I mean, we don't get so scared and so frightened about what's going on around us and what could go on to us that our very faith is shaken, is it? Therefore, David said, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You've made known to me the paths of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence. 
And so he goes on to say then, brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here today. David died and he's still in the tomb, still in the grave. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on the oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. He said, I got a descendant coming after me. It's going to be on my throne forever. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. David had prophesied what would happen in the future with the descendant, the Christ, the Messiah that was coming. So God raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses to the fact. God raised him from the dead. We've seen it with our own eyes. We were there as witnesses. Exalted to the right hand of God, he was received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. You're seeing it with your own eyes, what Jesus promised, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It's happening right now. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies the footstool of your feet. Therefore, as he concluded his preaching that day, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So he's preaching there, he's speaking that they can understand him and they know what's going on, and he's trying to explain we're not drunk, we're trying to speak the truth about what Jesus, who Jesus was, and he said, here's the truth behind what I'm talking about. So now he's saying, you know, here's the conclusion. Um, you crucified him, but God made him both Lord and Christ. So then when the people heard this, when the people heard all of he said, all that he said, quoting Joel and David and quoting what he said about all of Israel needs to be assured of this. God made this, made this Jesus whom you crucified both God and Christ. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart. Probably all of us here tonight have been convicted from the Holy Spirit speaking to us before. You know, God convicted us of. God convicted us to. And we simply mean by what we simply mean by that is God spoke to us in such a way we came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we heard his voice say, I need to stop whatever. I need to start whatever. I need to change whatever. I need to do whatever he's commanded me to do. You know, however we ever came under conviction, and we do it more than once, don't we? I mean, it happens often, doesn't it, to us? When we realize we're going, we took the wrong turn here, and God began to speak and deal and work in our lives, and we realize, mm, you're right, God, I am going in the wrong direction. Let me just turn it back, because we hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and we begin to straighten things out and go in the right direction, do what he wants to do. Well, that's what he means by cut to the heart. They were convicted there before the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And when we got saved, when we were born again, we did something very similar to that too, didn't we? When we realized Jesus was speaking to us, drawing us to himself to save our lost soul, we began to realize, what am I going to do? What do you want me to do, Jesus? And that's when we're saved. That's when we begin to say, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you. You know, and however we went through all that in the, our salvation experience, all of us have a different story, a little bit different story about how we were saved. But nevertheless, it all came down to what am I going to do now? 
I'm under such conviction about the Holy Spirit dealing with me and the Holy Spirit working with me and the Holy Spirit drawing me. What am I going to do now? I haven't got any choice <laughs> but to be saved. I'm so miserable right now. Now, maybe you weren't. I was. <laughs> I was so miserable one night, and I told you the story, that I went somewhere in 12, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning and sat inside a church, and it's the most scariest thing I ever did. I mean, it's dark. Well, I'll go and tell you, it's Emmanuel Baptist Church. Their front door was unlocked. I don't know why it wouldn't be today. But fortunately, it was unlocked that night. I mean, I'm miserable. I don't know. I know God's doing something. I know God's saying something. I know God's dealing with something in my life. I don't know what it is. Can't figure it out. I knew nothing about God, Jesus, church, Bible. And so I knew enough, though, that something wasn't right in my life. And I said, maybe I can go inside the church. And I went to the front door. Sure enough, it didn't lock. I went right on in. Came on down in there, and I sat down. Dark. Not a light on the place. But they had windows like this. And so outside lights were coming in. Cars going by, you know where Emmanuel is, cars going by. And so I hear that and see the lights and all that. But you're talking about getting scared. Inside a church on, you know, that time of the night, dark, you know, maybe for the Christian to come in there, there's comfort and peace. But for the lost person, I mean, it's scary in there. <laughs> and so I didn't stay long. But I did understand that about what am I going to do now? And I got out of there and went home. They asked, what are we going to do now? We've heard the word. We understand what you're saying, Peter. But now what? So he told them. <laughs> Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. As Peter said, here's the conclusion to the matter. We're seeing the Holy Spirit in action. We see the Holy Spirit working. We see the Holy Spirit moving because here's all these 12 men speaking different languages to the uh, Egyptians and to the Arabs and to all these other groups that are gathered there that are speaking all these different dialects and languages and they're trying to figure this out and understand this and the gospel was going out because everybody understood I know what he's saying I get what he's saying I understand what he's going through I understand about the Holy Spirit I get it now and so the answer was simply repent the conviction what do we do now well he said repent turn from your sin turn to Jesus and as you repent you will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ on account of forgiveness for your sins because that's what repentance does. brings us forgiveness for our sins. We get baptized as a symbol showing we've changed our life. And he said you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's it? <laughs> you mean that's, that's the receiving of the Holy Spirit? That's what we do? We repent? Spiritually baptized and, and, and going under the water, showing the symbolism of our new life, and we receive the Holy Spirit. So then what? Then we begin to live for Him, under His authority, hearing from Him, and being guided by Him all through our life. And so tonight, you know, we say, well, we've heard this story many times probably, and we see uh, what happened that day and, and how the Holy Spirit came into the world and but do we allow, do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our life? To say, Lord, okay, I got that. Okay, Lord, you, you know, and we listen to Him, we hear from Him, and we, and we do what He wants us to do. Because that's what the Holy Spirit came here to do, to fill us with the Holy Spirit, to give us the Holy Spirit, to be our guide, our teacher, the one Jesus said, 
He's going to teach you all things. He's going to remind you of everything I've said to you. And that's what he does. But are we letting him do that on a day-to-day basis in our decision-making, whether we're at home, school, church, work, society in general, wherever we're going, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to simply just say, do this, do that, go here, go there. Don't do this, don't do that, don't, don't go there. Are we doing that? Okay, we've repented if we're saved. We were baptized if we were saved. But are we allowing the Holy Spirit to give us that gift of understanding what He wants us to do? This week, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. If we're saved, if we're born again, the Holy Spirit's going to talk. It's going to guide. He's going to teach. He's going to train us. Will we hear from Him? And then, will we be obedient to Him? 